Welcome to another great message by Pastor Adrian Wright, lead pastor at Anchor Church. We pray this message will encourage, inspire, and transform your life. Our heart is to share the hope of Jesus with our city and nation. So on this Heart for the House Sunday, I want to share a message with you today entitled, So Others may live. So others may live. This is uh, part of the motto of uh, some of the military wings in, in, uh, in different parts of the world where they say that we do what we do. We fight the fight so that others may have peace and others may have life. And so as a church, we do that. We fight for the lives of people, the people that God loves. And when we say the people that God loves, we're not just talking about the Christians. We're not just talking about everybody that's trying really hard to be good um, or anything like that, which is not at all what Christianity is. Um, We're talking about all people. God loves people, and His Word says that He desires that no one would lose their lives, that nobody would go through life without knowing Him. God wants His grace to be known. It's why He sent us as His church to share that good news, the good news that we can be made right with God by His grace as a gift, and we don't have to earn it or work for it, that God loves us and cares about us. And so this is the message that we carry. This is what we get to share. This is what we get to to do as we move forward, as we give today on our Heart for the House Sunday. We're doing it so that others may live. We sacrifice so that they may live. And this is just ultimately us replicating and and imitating what Jesus did for us. He gave himself, he sacrificed the ultimate sacrifice so that we may live. And so what are our sacrifices in light of his? Whatever we have to go through to be able to make a difference, it's nothing compared to what Jesus has done for each one of us. And when we experience that grace, God begins to develop in us a grace for others. We've spoken so much about that during this series, but this is why. This is why we do what we do and why we always go above and beyond to make a difference in the lives of others. And so we've been doing uh, a lot of, of planning uh, with, our, with our building and we've been looking at schematics and we've been looking at blueprints and we've been figuring out plumbing and alterations and uh, you know you, you, you look at all of these things as we've been doing as we prepare for this new space um, and as I've been looking at it I was reminded of the fact that the Bible tells us that when God created Every individual, every single person, it says in Psalm 139, that before there was even a single one of our days, God had ordained every one of them. He had ordained all of our our days. He had a blueprint. He had a schematic. He had an original intention and plan for your life. And even though over time, you know, we feel like we might have built some extra structures and we may have added to that plan, uh, and, and sometimes we feel we may have lost the original intentional plan, God still has the blueprint for your life. And that's what we get to be a part of. We get to be a part of this mission that God has for us. In fact, in Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 10, it says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Oftentimes when we've run off and done our own thing, God, by His grace, brings us back to the original plan, a relationship with Him and a life filled with meaning and purpose. He says, and this is not your own doing. It's not something you could earn or achieve. It is the gift of God, not a result of works that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, His plan, His workmanship, His building. In fact, it talks about the church as a spiritual house 
built with living stones, and that's you and me. As we built this place, the community is where God's presence is hosted. Right now, we're, we're trying to put bricks on top of bricks, but far more than putting bricks on bricks, we're putting living stones together with living stones and building a spiritual house where people will encounter God in our midst. That's what we're a part of right now in this season. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so before you were even born, before you even turned to Christ, before you were even aware of the opportunity that God has given you to make a difference, God had a plan for your life. And we get to discover that plan as a church we want to help you discover it. We want to see you activated in it, awakened to the call of God and walking in it. And we walk in it together. That's the secret. That's the key to our success is we, we can do so much more when we do it together. I want to look just at it for a split second here at how Jesus sends us, how Jesus commissions us. We know the, the famous scripture in Matthew 28 uh, that talks about how Jesus uh, calls his disciples and, and tells them to go into all the world to preach the gospel, to baptize those who believe, to teach them to, absorb, to observe everything that Jesus had called us to obey, that, that life that we now get to lead because of his grace. Um, and so we know about the, the great commission that we are all called to. But I want to look at another moment in Scripture. In fact, this is in John chapter 20. And uh, in John chapter 20, verse 19, um, we see Jesus actually, in, in, in a sense here, commissioning his disciples and his followers and, and sending them in this moment. So let's read this together. John 20, verse 19, it says, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week. Now that day is talking about the day of his resurrection. Jesus was crucified on the Friday. It's the first day of the week, which in that Jewish week was uh, was the Sunday. And on the first day of the week, Jesus has been raised from the dead. Um, some of the others had seen him, Mary, and some of the women had seen him, um, you know, risen at the grave. But the disciples hadn't seen Jesus yet. They were still fearful and afraid and hiding away. Um, we see it here because if you, know, if you're, if you followed your master for, for years and now he's been crucified, you know that you're next. And so they're afraid that they're also going to be persecuted and potentially crucified like Jesus was. And so they're hiding away on the first day of the week. And so it says the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews Jesus came and stood among them. So the doors are locked, but all of a sudden Jesus is there and he said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad that they saw the Lord. They realized Jesus is truly risen from the dead. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. As the Father sent me, I am sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive God's Spirit. Receive his indwelling Spirit in this moment. There's a few things that we find here that I just want to speak about here on our Heart for the House Sunday that I believe is so applicable to our lives. The first one is that Jesus has a way of getting through our locked doors. You might be watching this and thinking, it's not for me. I'm not, I'm, I'm not as passionate. I'm, I'm not that Christian guy or that Christian girl. I don't think God can use me. I've lived a very different life up until now. Um, it's just not in my heart. I don't think God 
can use me. I want to let you know that even if you lock yourself up to this opportunity, Jesus has a way of appearing behind those closed doors. It also means that when we have friends and family members and people that we've prayed for, that we're trusting to see come to Jesus, come to know his grace and receive his salvation. And, and we feel like the doors are locked and they, you know, there's just no way of reaching them. I want to encourage you today to say that you can have boldness as you share your faith because Jesus has a way of showing up behind locked doors. He also has a way of making a way when things seem impossible. We might want to pursue something that God has for our lives, this calling to make a difference and to be sent by him and to go out and make a difference. But we might say there are too many obstacles, too many locked doors, too many closed doors. So many times as a pastor, people say to me, I just feel that all the doors are closed. Well, Jesus has a way of not caring about whether the doors are locked or not. He just appears on the inside and he just shows up. And I believe that we can trust that he is going to do miraculous things like that for us as he shows up in our midst, even when all the doors seem locked. So that's the first thing. The second thing that we see here is that these disciples, they were afraid. They are human. They have emotions and their fear was legitimate. They had just seen their Lord crucified on the cross. And so they, it's reasonable for them to suspect that they could be in trouble and that they could be next. And so they are hidden away and fearful. But when Jesus arrives in our midst, what he does is he produces peace. He says, peace be with you, peace to you. And he is our peace. It's, it's not a peace separate from Jesus. It is the fact that he's there. It is his presence that gives us peace. So in your life right now, no matter how impossible your situation seems, no matter how anxious you may feel or how afraid you may be, when Jesus is present, you'll have peace. And in our church journey, as we move forward into the future, even though it feels like an unknown future at times, and we trust God for these big things, we take big steps, and many times it can produce in the human uh, element, when that human element comes in, in the natural, it can be something that can be fearful. It, can be, it, could, it could cause stress. But when Jesus is in our midst, we rest in his presence and his presence gives us peace. And so we know that in our new season, it is a season of grace and it is a season of God's peace being present. And so what does Jesus do as he says, peace be to you? He says, he says that, but then he shows them the, the, the holes where his hands were pierced by the nails as he was hung, as he hung on the cross and as he was crucified on the cross. He shows them the, the, the space in his side, the hole in his side where the spear had pierced him and blood and water flowed. And he says, look, look, this is what I have done. This is, gives us a little bit of a clue of where our peace comes from. He says, look at what I have done for you already. I gave everything to save you. And if I would give everything to save you, why do you think I would abandon you now? Why do you think I would just leave you in this space? No, Jesus has proven his commitment to us. He's proven his love for us. And we, our faith is based on his commitment to us far more than our commitment to him. It is his commitment. It is his faithfulness that gives us peace and gives us confidence. In fact, Romans 8 verse 32 says this, it says, He, God, who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? 
So if, if God gave us Jesus and allowed his own son to be nailed to the cross on our behalf, then how much more would he not now with him give us all things? So we can trust that as we move forward, that Jesus is with us. He has demonstrated his love for us in this, that, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We know that God loves us and cares about us. And so we need not be fearful of the future. Jesus then says, since I'm with you, since you have my peace, since you know my commitment, I am sending you. Now that we understand that we are redeemed, that we are the righteousness of God by our faith in Jesus, that we have his grace at work in our lives and his presence and his peace, we do not need to worry about ourselves. We can take our eyes off of us, fix our eyes on Jesus and go where he sends us. He is with us so we can go. We see this in, in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20, and I love the scripture. It says, therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ. That's what we do. We represent Christ, just like an ambassador of a nation would, uh, would represent that country in a foreign land. We are ambassadors of heaven, ambassadors of Christ in this world, being able to represent Jesus. God is making his appeal through us, what is God's appeal to this world? What is he saying through us to this world? He's saying, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We have a message, church. We don't have to wonder about our message. Our message is that people can be reconciled to God by his grace. That Jesus has done everything to make us right with God. And as the church, that is our message. We're not here to condemn people. We're not here to judge people. We're not here to look down on people. We're here to speak to a world that is dying, a world that is desperate, a, a world that, that is in need. And we are here to say, be reconciled. You can be, through His grace, reconciled to God. And in that moment, receive forgiveness and provision for every need you may have. And, and, and this is an incredible thing. We have the message of God. Jesus also told his disciples in, in, in the beginning of the book of Acts that, he, that they were to go into all the world, that they were to go from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the ends of the earth sharing this message. But then Jesus said something to them. He said that they should first wait until they have received the gift, the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, not just visiting us every once in a while, but taking up residence on the inside of us, literally filled with his spirit. God's spirit on the inside of us means that, that we are limitless in our ability because God is working through us. And when we bring all of that supernatural ability together within the church, literally nothing can stop us and nothing can limit us. We can do everything God has called us to do. And it is a beautiful thing. And so as Jesus is with his disciples in this moment, we see a precursor to this where he breathes on them. Why does he breathe on them? Well, the, the, the word breath is the word ruach. It's a word that communicates spirit or wind or breath of God. It's the life that God breathed into Adam's nostrils in the book of Genesis. And in that same way, we receive God's spirit we're not dependent on our own strength. The Old Testament says, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says God. 
we get to operate by the Spirit of God. And as we move forward as a church, as we pursue God's call on our lives, we don't do it in our own strength. We do it by this Holy Spirit that was poured out. On the day of Pentecost, when the, the, the believers were praying in the upper room, it says that there was the sound of a rushing wind, which really sounds like this, God breathing on his people and flames of fire, a flame separated, the flame separated and, and each person had something like a tongue of fire above their head. And this just shows how God individually calls and anoints and purposes and empowers each individual to fulfill their calling and as a church, our calling. So Reinhard Bonker, the famous evangelist, used to say, your name is on your flame. We have a specific call, each of us. And as we come together, we're able to burn brightly and do things that would otherwise have been impossible for us to do by the power of the Holy Spirit. I think that's what we really long for as a church. We do not, hear me now, we do not want to just be a religious institution or organization or group following some moral code or, or some worldview or some pattern of behavior that is not who we are as a church. No, we are a people, ordinary and imperfect as we may be, called out by God, empowered by His Holy Spirit. And what we really long for in 2021 and every single year after that is that God would move through us by his spirit and that we would be able to go into this world and effect change, bring hope, share life in our community and every community around us. We want to be a part of this move of God in this time of, in history. And we can be because God has called us and given us his Holy Spirit. So he blows on, he says, as the Father sent me, Jesus was sent on a mission. He said in, in Luke 4 verse 18, he was given a scroll and he says, I have come to preach good news to the poor. I have come to bind up the brokenhearted, to bring healing, to you know, recovery of sight to the blind. All these miraculous things, it's restoration, it's redemption and it's grace. And Jesus says, as I was sent, I now send you. Church, you don't have to wonder, oh, are we sent to do anything? Has, has God called us to do something in the city? We're not sure. No, we don't have to wonder. Jesus already sent us. We're a part of this story. And by his spirit, by his grace, we're able to do it. And we're going to do it in the days that lie ahead. Jesus, after that day of Pentecost, after the Holy Spirit had been poured out, he said to them in Acts 1 verse 8, he says, you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit, that dunamis power, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and then you will be my witnesses. I always love that he uses that word witness because for us to be witnesses today, we need to have experienced something. You can't be a witness if you weren't there, if you didn't have the experience or you didn't, you didn't see what, what took place. But as we experience the Holy Spirit today, we encounter the risen Christ just like these disciples encountered him that day. And once we have encountered, we can witness. As we experience God's grace, God's love, God's redemptive power, we're able to witness to others about that power, about that grace, about that redemption. And we, it's why we should never hide our story. It's why these stories we've been sharing are so powerful because they are authentic and they show others what God has done for us and it helps them to believe in what God can do 
for them. You know, not everybody believes when they hear this message. Many doubt. There are many that doubt. And even in this instance, there was a disciple who was missing on that day. His name was Thomas. And uh, Thomas was was a twin. Um, it tells us he was uh, Thomas, one called the twin, because clearly he had a twin brother or a twin sister. And I've got twin boys. And the one thing that I know about twin boys is that they're always trying to outdo each other or catch each other out. And one of the, I think, byproducts of that is that you naturally become a skeptic. If your brother says, hey, something's happening in the garden, your first thought is, hmm, is this a trick? Am I being tricked right now? And so maybe it was because Thomas was a twin that he just wouldn't believe. He struggled to believe and he doubted. And so he is known as the doubting Thomas, unfortunately for him. Um, but, but we see Jesus work in his life here. In John 20 verse 24, it says, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. See, this is like when your twin brother tells you something and you're like, mm, did he really, did you really though? Are you trying to trick me? Or is this kind of, you know, are you pranking me here? Um, but he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Thomas is like, I don't know if I can buy into this resurrected Jesus type of thing. I was there when he was crucified. I witnessed that, but I don't know if I can be a witness of Jesus and his resurrection if I haven't personally encountered him. And so the story goes on in verse 26. It says, eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, again, the doors are locked. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said, Thomas. So Jesus knows that Thomas is struggling. And so he, he calls out Thomas in this moment, not to embarrass him, but to inspire him. And he says, Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. And then he gives the, 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 the encouragement that, and the invitation that Jesus gives to all of us is do not disbelieve, but believe. Be believing, believe in me. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. He realizes this truly is Jesus. Jesus said, you have, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those that will believe and have not seen me. That includes all of us that haven't physically put our hands in those, those holes in Jesus's, or, or you touched those holes in Jesus's hands or put our, our hands in his side and seen where he was pierced. But yet we believe, yet we trust, yet we experience through the Holy Spirit, we can experience the risen Christ without having to have been in that room specifically. And we see it every Sunday. We see every Sunday when we gather that people experience the risen Jesus without having to have been in that specific room. It is for us, it is for today, and through the Spirit, we can do that. But what I love here is that even as Jesus shows his scars to Thomas in order to help him to believe, that we have the opportunity to do the same, that we can show our scars, that we can share our stories, that we can reveal our battles authentically and show how God has worked his redemptive work in our lives. We are trophies of his grace 
So even if you've messed up, even if you've walked a winding road, even in my own life, I've been through situations that, that caused people to rule me out. But now I'm able to say, look at what God has done. Can you see my scars? Can you see the holes? Can you see the st story? We can share our journeys because we know that our authentic experience of God's redemptive work will lead others to Christ. Your story is powerful. Don't cover it up. Share it and let God use it in the lives of others. We can show our scars and the authentic work that Jesus has done. And this has been something that I have loved witnessing. That work that God does in people's lives, I, it, it's been my food. It's been my bread that I, have, that I have longed for daily since the time that I was in high school and I felt God call me and speak to me. I remember one time running a course. I was about 16 or 17 years old and I had written one and I was teaching this course um, at our school. And I remember I just felt that I should go off of the notes and just talk about the love that God has for us. And as the Holy Spirit led me, I just began to speak about God's love. And I remember one of the girls who actually is still a friend of mine to this day um, and has actually gone into full-time ministry. I remember she was sitting with her hand covering her face like this. And I was wondering if, you know, when you're teaching a course, especially if you're doing it for the first time like I was that day, you wonder whether or not people are hearing you and whether or not it's kind of boring or irrelevant or if it's actually making a difference. And as I was talking about the love of God, I remember her sitting like this. And all of a sudden on that, that wooden desk, that wooden school desk, I just saw a droplet fall on the desk and then another one and then another one. And I realized she was sitting there in tears because she was realizing the love of God for her. And it was that day as I prayed for her and for the others that were in that classroom that day. And we went down to the swimming pool and we baptized them in the school swimming pool. And I prayed for them to be filled with the Holy Spirit the next day. I walked out. And I said, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I want to create, I, and I'm asking God to help me bring people together so that we can create a space where people can come to that same realization of his love. This is why, Anchor Church, there is no other reason. It is so that God can work and express his love through us to a dying world. This is why? It's why we do what we do so that others may live, so that God can make this difference in their lives. As God does this by his grace, we don't just have a vision. We become the vision through what we value. In other words, our, value, our vision just is birthed out of what God has caused us to become as he, as he allows us by his grace to embody those values and embrace his plan for our lives. This is what we value. We value Jesus, his finished work, the message of the gospel of God's grace, and the movement and work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We value scripture and how it points us to Jesus and our identity in him. We value all people, their worth and significance fixed in Christ. We value families. We value life as a gift from God to be enjoyed and spent in the service of God and others. We value authenticity. We value generosity. We value transparency and accountability. We value biblical leadership and oversight. We value inspired worship services, biblical preaching and teaching. We value prayer. We value discipleship, the raising of leaders and planting of churches. We value community 
as a church that operates even beyond a Sunday service. We value influence in every sphere of life. We value those in need and will seek to use our resources in aid of others. We value excellence in all that we do. This is who we are. And as, we, as I look over this list, I can see these values being embodied by our church. But I'm still praying that God helps us to embody, embody them in every area in a greater way. And that's what our vision is for 2021, to be the people God has called us to be. We want to see lives change. We want to see others come to life. We want to see, you know, so others may live. We want to see God move in our city. We want to be a part of shining light here where he has put us in this building. And so we want to complete this building. And every bit of money that is given today, every bit of money that is given towards Heart for the House now, at the end of 2020, we're going to put straight into turning this into a space where we can build a church that will embody all of these things. We are going to run the Alpha course. We had such a great experience doing it with people as we've brought them into community and helped them encounter Jesus. We're going to be running the Alpha course here in our new building more regularly, bringing more people to faith in that way as well beyond our Sunday services. Um, and we're going to develop leaders. We're going to make disciples. If you are a member of the church, we're going to continue hosting our Discover Your Destiny course, which helps people begin to make a difference through the giftings that God has given them. But beyond that, we've also created the Leadership Collective. We started it at the beginning of 2020, and our first group has completed their first year. It is a two-year course, um, and we want as many people as possible to do this leadership discipleship course that involves three areas of study, theology, ministry, and leadership. And so we, we've brought together some great teachings, some great subjects. It's 27 subjects over the course of two years. Um, there is a nominal fee that goes towards the, the, the resources that you will get from that. Um, but we encourage you to sign up for the Leadership Collective. We'll start again in January 2021. So if you want to be a part of that, go onto our website and uh, if you go anchorjoburg.org forward slash leadership collective, you will find uh, everything that you need there. And, uh, and you can sign up today for the leadership collective. So we are really looking forward into receiving more students. We have a heart to raise 60 uh, people, take 60 people of all ages, of all walks of life through that course in 2021 and seeing more leaders raised so that we can be a part of the sending process. So let's equip and train so that we can send and so that you can make a difference. So Leadership Collective and Alpha are a big part of what we want to do next year. Um, and we want to make a difference. We also want to make a difference. We, I mentioned this um, two weeks ago, but we have a heart to make a difference in the Deep Sluit community. We want to, we have so much poverty, so much need, so much inequality in our city of Joburg and in our country, and we want to be a part of the solution. We want to build the kind of church that will build a nation. And so one of our goals for 2021 is to start a Section 18A nonprofit company that conducts public benefit activities, whether that's feeding people, clothing people, training people, educating people, whatever it may look like. We want to start that. We're going to start that process at the beginning of next year so that we can get our 18A status and we can begin uh, we can begin making a massive difference in 2021. And so that's one of the things that we want to do um, and serve the community that God has placed us in. We want to make a difference. You're thinking, what can I do right now? 
Well, first of all, you can pray. Pray with us that God will do this, that this move of God will begin in us and will work through us. Um, you can join. You can get involved. You can help us serve. You can uh, become a part of, of what God is doing here. You can email us info at anchorjoburg.org if you would like to join the team and be involved. And you can give. We are raising funds. We are raising resources. I mentioned this um, last week, but we need to raise a million rand to be able to move into this space and do everything from an AV uh, building alterations and fitting point of view. And in the past, that would have seemed impossible to us, but God has done it before and God can do it again. And so as God leads you, you might say, I don't have a million rand to give, but you might have a hundred rand to give. You might have a thousand rand to give. And as it all comes together, I'm telling you now, God will multiply it and we will have more than what we need to do this and to make a difference in our city. So we are excited about the future. We're excited about what God is going to do, and you can, you can be a part of it. You can be a part of it.